See the killer. Take that. Damn. That was fire, right? Yeah, it sounded amazing. Do you still want to go to the boardwalk? Okay. Are you a rod guy? I think they close early still. Oh, maybe not. Memorial Day just passed. everybody and welcome to Anti-Drug Social Club. My name is Kim Sikoni. I am your host. Um, today we are joined with, wait, Mike Doe, is that your last name? What is it, just Mike S? My Mike. alias is Mike S, but my real government name is Michael. Okay, so um, let me try that one. <laughs> today we are joined with Mike S. Yo. Hello Mike, thanks for being here today. Um, so every other week I'll be joined here with someone else filling one of two chairs and we will be having varying conversations on different topics that correlate with mental health, substance use disorder, as well as everyday person's empowerment, tricky topics. Um, so if you got, you want to give us a little bit of an elevator pitch? Yeah, my name is Mike. Um, I'm a recovering drug addict, recovering alcoholic, and, um, I just love recovery. I'm all about it. Uh, how long do you have in recovery right now? Um, this time around in August, I'll have two years. Nice. Yes, I'm not Congrats. a first time. I'm not a first time winner. Um, I'm not either. It's, what is it like one percent? Less than one um, percent, something like not. that for one time winners. I I um I don't believe there's a such thing as a first time winner because um you know when I was using. Even if I did get it the first time, I feel like I wouldn't have been a first-time winner because when I was out there, I would always say I'm going to quit this weekend. Like, you know, I would give myself, like, these, like, Friday's the last day I'm going to use, mm -hmm. and then Saturday, Sunday, I'm going to just not use, and then hopefully by Monday I'll be better, and then Saturday will come around and I would use again. So, like, I feel like even if we didn't try to go to a detox or a treatment, We've tried and attempted to stop before, and we've all failed. That's actually a really good point. In my brain, I was like, I'll get clean and just do drugs on, like, Fridays. It's no big deal. No. <laughs> I mean, at the point when, when I got clean, it, I just knew I couldn't do it at all because I just wasn't going to stop. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I always, I always I have, like, this analogy, I guess. So it's like if you're going to the boardwalk and, like, you know, you buy tickets to, like, go on rides I feel like for me like I was born and I had all these tickets to like party and go out and like just you know have crazy nights and I feel like um, you know most people have these tickets and like you know they probably don't even use all of them in their lifetime but I've used mine and like four other people's tickets to ride these rides and uh, yeah you know sooner or later I gotta stop riding the ride you know oh yeah um, what was your official, like, realization where you were like, all right, I really got to throw the towel in this time? This time around or in general? This time. Coming in this time, it wasn't as bad as the way I came in before. Like, I guess you could say, like, you know, um, my life wasn't, like, ruined on the outside. I still had my material possessions, you know, I still had money in the bank and whatnot. But I guess, like, once I started using... And, like, being in recovery before that, mm -hmm. I've never felt as alone as I did 
like I did when I relapsed. So like yeah. when I first came around and I first started meeting people that were, you know, along this journey with me, everything was cool. And then when I relapsed, like I was, I felt super alone. It's kind of like what they say. It's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a 12 step guy. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, like they say like, a um, a belly full of booze and like a head full of AA, like it just doesn't mix, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I felt super alone. And then like, once I get like the thought that I want to like die or like, that's when I know I gotta, I gotta change mm -hmm. because it's more or less like, um, I don't truly do believe that I wanted to kill myself. It was more or less like I wanted to kill the life that I was living at that current time. Mm -hmm. So like it's either I make changes and like kill that life and start a whole new life, kind of like a rebirth, a new journey, or I'm just going to keep feeling like the way I felt. So it's almost like when they say like, you know, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. So you're AA? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I mainly go to cocaine anonymous meetings. Oh, um, okay. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, Those I, meetings are awesome. Yeah. Those are my favorite of the A's. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, cocaine wasn't even my drug of choice. The thing about it is, I like the fact that, like, they you know. They use the AA book, right? They use the AA book. Mm -hmm. you know? Big book, yeah. I like that, too. For step work, it's it's good. Yeah. Um, I do like that book better. Yeah, I mean, no, um, you know, no, no, I don't have anything against NA or any other A's. Um, whatever works for the person, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But um, I got sober in AA, and um, I have, like, you know... I have like all these weird, um, like I'm a history guy, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And like, mm -hmm. if you look back and like look at the history of AA, like there's uh, a lot of Jersey in there. Really? Yeah. How yeah. so, like what would be like a reference? So like one of like the first guys that Dr. Silkworth speaks about, mm -hmm. he was, um, he had, he, he had an office in Newark. Oh really? Is that yeah. in the doctor's note? Doctor's opinion, yeah. Or doctor's opinion, yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually read that. I thought and that was cool. uh, his name was Henry, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, he had a um, an office in Newark, and um, the first pages of the big book were started and written in Newark. And I'm from Newark, if you can see the. the yeah, shirt. I like the shirt today. Yeah, wrapping. Um, Doctor Silkworth's actually buried in Long Branch. Oh really? Yeah. That is so weird because uh, Ohio. I always think it's funny how most of these treatment programs for the most part they start in ohio so i always wonder like even smart recovery ohio it's all ohio yeah was the start and i'm wondering what's I mean, going on over there i'm not 100 percent sure i do think bill wilson was from ohio i mean his house is yeah the initial yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but like it was mainly in new york and then like um the people that he was around were from like new jersey and new york and stuff like that like, the first five thousand copies of the big book were mm -hmm. sent to newark the first GSO office was Newark, and it was actually that guy Henry's office. Like he, uh, he s did some type of business try to go against like these people that like had fired him, and um, yeah, he opened up this this office, and that's what they used to. And if you actually go, it's on Seventeen William Street in Newark. It's condos now, but if you walk into this building with the condos, there's like a gold plaque, and it says like in this building the first you know pages of that big book of alcoholics anonymous were written in oh that's so yeah. cool in our program we do smart recovery have you ever seen or been to a smart recovery meeting yeah i've been to um one smart recovery meeting it was actually down this way and um it wasn't bad you know um the thing with me it's like i don't have anything against smart recovery but like hopefully it grows 
you know, and there's more of like a fellowship and like more people. Yeah. So the cool thing that I liked about um, the way that we took Smart and moved it over here, it's because it's like the community. It's like a fellowship within the community. So people that come to Smart Recovery, it is very like connected. You see people years later and stuff. I will say the one thing that is like different is because Smart Recovery does have an exit step. So they have steps. Yes. So like how they work, it's pre-contemplation, contemplation, contemplation uh, preparation or planning, action, maintenance, and then exit. Like so what it's saying is um, you could be at different phases for different things in your life. Like so you could be at pre-contemplation on the fact that you should stop smoking cigarettes, but you're already in exit phase of say like biting your nails you know like you're always gonna have these different habits but your plan is to keep working through this plan and recognizing what phase you're in of each thing and working through and then working through the steps and then like that you need to like like the tools um and then eventually you can exit is what they say and that's something that sometimes we'll get aa and aca people in our room and that part will start actually an argument you know people in a and na saying i'm an addict is like a humbling it reminds you where you are who you are um it's like a reminder but for people in smart recovery they believe in like the positive manifestation and not identifying as an addict and just identifying as a person um and then that bothers like the difference of opinion fathers each which i mean to each your own i mean whatever works the end like me personally i wouldn't start a whole debate with somebody that goes to smart recovery and like they want to you know if it works for them if that works for them saying that but i it was like i think it was like yesterday i was on the phone with one of my friends and uh, he's a normie you know and he i mentioned like him a junkie and he was like mike but you're not a junkie and we we started going back and forth i'm like dude just let me be like let me just remind like i sometimes say that jokingly and like me and my friends we have like this dark humor yeah and i was like let me just keep saying that so i could always remind myself you know because like i'm one drug or one alcoholic beverage away from going straight full junkie mode you know what i mean yeah it's just the way that it is for me um me personally like i i so in like smart recovery do they stop going to meetings or they do that forever uh that you could stop eventually um i think like so i think that you always have to remember that if you need a meeting it should never be like you never go back to that template but i think that they're trying to build like an independence within your own brain to like heal the things instead of putting the band-aid on it and that's say um obviously aaca na they all work through 12 steps which yeah. also is not putting a band-aid on it you're trying to like fix those but then you're going to consistently have to go to those meetings the rest of your life where smart was trying to build something that hopefully you could actually change the way your brain chemistry works okay and then once your brain is in a better place you're going to be able to work past those things it was actually formulated on eating disorders yeah yeah, yeah. uh smart recovery which is so they figured that if they could find a solution for people with eating disorders then they could use that for all um addictive behaviors like all bad behaviors so like the one thing that attracted me to AA and like the rooms itself was when they like you know like the like those little slogans like they're cheesy and stuff but like when somebody said like I came for the drinking but I stayed for the thinking yeah and then like I, I sat there and like I'm like dude I'm shot out you know what I mean like my thinking is messed up <laughs> and I gotta keep coming to these meetings I gotta keep working with like a newcomer in order to change my thinking 
now like you know the thing is with me i'm so self-centered and self-absorbed you know like i'm mm-hmm. i'm a legend in my own head mm-hmm. and um what i like about the meetings and aa it's like once you know you're done with the 12 steps like it's totally you know your su- the suggestion is to go help a new person out mm-hmm. and like you know if i just go on with my life like mike is just the most self-centered person you know it's all about me it's, right you know yeah. so like what i like about what i like about going to meetings still is like I can step away from being Mike and help somebody out, mm-hmm. and like uh, that's what I that's what I like about AA, like you know, and CA, NA stuff like that. So like it's funny because I, even though I'm in this program, we I used to have a lot of coworkers that were AA and NA, and they would bring it to here, which was kind of cool for people to like kind of get like a light dive into. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember one of the guys was like, "Well, Kim, you you like technically work the big book." program like in your normal yeah. life because i work 10 11 12 like i always work them because yes. that's just like in my nature to like always be giving but that's also my downfall that's where i have to remind myself boundaries and like because that takes me out unfortunately because like i'll consume myself with someone else's stuff yeah. uh, the cool thing about being in recovery like you know it's 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 not a, it's not a race like I, I personally don't think it's gonna end you know it's a marathon yeah and i think the only way it's ever gonna end is the day i die you know, mm-hmm. so like I think that like, you know, the next five years I probably won't be codependent because like I'll work on that, but then like I could easily slip back into like being a codependent. In life, we make so many changes and stuff like that, and so many things happen. The rooms or like AA and stuff like that told me I would have a happy and joyous life, which I you know for the most part I do. I'm, I have you know happiness, I'm joyous, and I'm free. But there's also a thing where like, which is inevitable, and I'm gonna go through pain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, there's, yeah. there's stuff that's going to happen in my life that I'm going to go through. And, like, I feel like, you know, for my whole life, you know, in addiction, I was just so involved in myself. And, like, I became such a, like, a, a lonely and lone person that today, like, you know, I say, like, the opposite of addiction is connection. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I get to go there and be around, like, the people that, like, understand me. And, like, I think that's cool. You know, like, prior yeah. to prior to coming into the rooms years ago like i you know i had a pretty decent life you know where like i was always going out i was always partying you know like stuff like that and i would be around like these people and like in the big book like you know bill wilson calls it fair weather friends you know what i mean like mm-hmm. they were only there to celebrate the good times but like when i felt there was nobody there the thing about it is like I used to feel alone, you know, like I would be in a nightclub and I would be like in the VIP and like, you know, I'd be around all these 10, 15, 20 people, but I still felt alone. And like today when I go into the rooms and like, or even just hanging out with, you know, my friends on the weekends or after a meeting or whatnot, like I no longer feel alone. Like I feel like, you know, I have people around me that understand me. Yeah. I also have friends that are normies, you know what I mean? And, yeah. like, um, <clears throat> I had a situation, like, two months ago where I went out to eat with a bunch of kids that, like, uh, I went to grammar school with. And then, like, after we ate, the one kid was like, hey, guys, like, I don't want to go home. And he was going through, like, a breakup. And he's like, I just don't want to be alone. And, like, my AA and, like, the recovery instinct was like, I'm not going to leave this kid behind, you know? Like... I told him, let's go do something, you know what I mean? And we figured something out. And, mm-hmm. like, when I drove home, like, I had, like, I was filled with gratitude because I'm like, damn, like, I have friends that, like, understand at that moment. Like, let's go, let's go show up for Mike. You know what I mean? And, yeah. like, I understand, like, normies do have fair friends and family, 
but it's not like the way that it is in the rooms where like we're there for each other you know yeah and, and for that i'm grateful for it and that's why I, you know i i really i'm grateful that i found the 12-step fellowships and stuff like that and like i do believe probably it's the same way in smart recovery and stuff like yeah. that. yeah i will say actually what you just said reminded me more because we have this other type of meeting too the refuge recovery have you ever yeah, hit one yeah, of those yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, so they talk the about book. impermanence yeah. a lot and then they have the four laws yeah. and um I actually loved that book and actually for some reason a lot of the refuge meetings I went to because there were a few different facilitators they all would do the same chapter when I was there and it was the one where they're talking about the river and that when the, you're going against the current and you try to go like straight it's going to push you back way quicker so you actually have to go slowly into like diagonal streams and it's going to take longer, but it's going to get you where you need to be. But there's going to be different weathers. There's going to be different things going on in each point. Um, and, and you just have to move diagonal against, not against the current, but like kind of across it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I never read that chapter, but that actually is pretty. No, it's like one of the coolest chapters. It just always would hit until I remember it at this point. <laughs> I, went on a, I went on a spiritual retreat like two weeks ago. And like the deacon that was speaking, he said that we're like trout. And instead of us going with the flow of the water, like our whole lives, we've been going against it. Yeah. You know? And yeah. like, you know, today, I guess I could say that I'm, you know, moving with it, but. Me too. Like how you it's funny. It. Like I, I don't have, do you journal or? No. no. Okay. The calmness is happiness for me now. Like that peace, that quiet is like, that is happiness. So like the, the cool thing about having like friends in the rooms, it's almost like since I don't journal, you know the mm -hmm. people in the rooms kind of do the journaling for me yeah you know what i mean and like i've been in some situations i guess like maybe like the last two or three months where like i wasn't in control of the situation and like it didn't it didn't work out the way i wanted to and when i would like talk to somebody about how the situation went they would just be like mike i'm so happy that you know you're taking this really well and then like when i get off the phone i'll like sit there and think about it and be like wow like i remember like two years ago I would have taken that situation and like wanted to be in full control. I would have been like acting like a baby yeah. about it. So it's like, yeah, I don't journal where it's like, which I should, you know what I mean? Now that like, there's a lot of things I got to do, but. I'm like one of those friends I will tell you that I annoy all my friends about doing shadow work. Like, especially the members here, the ones that do reach out to me randomly, like when they're continuously complaining about the same thing yeah. and I hear the same character defect. Um, I'll be like, you need to do shadow work. And then I try to explain what it is, how it works, and a lot of it's journaling. So is that like an inventory? So shadow work is, it's similar to inner child. It could be interchangeable, the word shadow or inner child. So um, it's usually what someone would view as the most insecure, darkest part of themselves. Um, it could be an actual age. Some people visualize it as an actual age, like say they're 14, have a lot of acne, they're overweight, like these things. Some people don't view it as an age, but an actual feeling that they felt in their life. Yeah. Um, and it's usually like trauma-based yeah. for the most part. And then you have to figure out what that insecurity is. So for instance, I watched that movie with, uh, who was it? Jonah Hill and his therapist Stutz. Did you watch that movie? Yeah, I did. I watched some of it, but like I was on my phone most of it. But like, You have to good. one day, like literally, I noticed you and are the worst of your phones. I know. The Stutz guy was saying... Um, he, the shadow, he talks about the shadow self, and Jonah Hill recognizes it as the 
person before. He was famous as very overweight, had a lot of acne, like, and he was just very insecure. He felt like his mom always brought up, like, his body yeah. image and, and all these things. Um, so the rest of his life, he worked his, like, butt off to hide that version of himself. And then instead what he realized he was doing was just, like, getting more and more angry and lonely because he was pushing that side away instead of allowing it to exist with him. And it's like the cool thing is once you recognize your shadow, it'll always exist. It doesn't disappear, but you have peace with it. So like when you're triggered, you'll notice that that shadow in you is really what's triggered and you start to recognize where it comes from and it makes it way easier to disconnect from the... Yeah, so like, yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense because it's like, uh, you know, I've been in situations, like I said before, like in the past three months where like certain things happen and like you know, like, insecurity things. And it's, like, I'll react to it a whole lot different. And mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there, like, wow, like, I came a long way, you know, because, mm-hmm. like, the little kid Mike, the scared little kid would have just taken this, like, completely different. Like, you know, the the, the thing with the 12 steps, like, taught me about faith. Yeah. Where, like, mm-hmm. I believe that, you know, in the end, everything's going to be all right. And if, like, things aren't all right, then it's not the end. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? One of my favorite quotes uh, was the amount of times that I thought, that the sky was gonna fall and the next day I woke up and the sun was up again and that's like I remember I like cried the first time I read that um and I always think that like so when it's a rainy day I'm like tomorrow will be sunny it's okay and like um going back to like the inner child and I wanted to touch touch on this like I'm big with the inner child where like um when I speak in like an AA meeting I always start off with like you know I start off with like my um you know, like a qualify, right? And when I qualify, I always talk about this story when I was like about five years old and it was on Christmas and, um, right. And mm-hmm. like, I have abandonment issues. And like, when I first came around, I'm like, I don't have abandonment issues. Like I had a mom and my dad, they were always there. But then when I really like did work on myself and like therapy and stuff like that, like I realized I do have abandonment issues. When I was like prior to five years, five years of age, my father was the working, you know, the breadwinner and my mom would stay home he got hurt on the job and he was forced to like retire and disability and my mom had to go to work so when that shift happened like you know i experienced abandonment issues because like my mom was the one that would like you know nurture me Mm -hmm. and like tell me all these positive affirmations like i love you or this that the third Mm -hmm. and when the when the situation switched my father was now that person but he just wasn't you know he was always at the bar drinking and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and i basically you know stayed to myself and like the way i felt about myself was how everybody else felt about me so like i would go to school and make jokes so if kids like me i like myself when i was five years old i came um my i was home with my sister all day long and it was like around it was christmas you know i don't know if it was christmas eve or christmas day one or the other i think it was christmas eve and my um my father came home he was about to go pick up my mom and he left me and my sister alone all day and he came he he couldn't talk and stuff like that and my sister would call the ambulance and uh you know he spent the the night in the hospital mm-hmm. and like i always say when i speak in the a meetings and like 12-step fellowships i always say like um it was at that moment that like i made a promise to myself that i would never end up like my father and like here i am at the age of like you know 33 on a Friday night, you know, talking to you about, like, drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like, so, like, to me, this is more than just a choice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, when I end, when I end my, you know, story, my experience, my strength, and my hope, 
I always end it with like if I keep coming back to these rooms, if I keep picking up the big book, if I keep working with a sponsor, and if I you know help the new help the newcomer out, you know what I mean. And uh, if I keep doing these things, I'm gonna continue making that five year old kid proud. Well, I feel like if I was yeah. to have a conversation with my inner child, if I could go back, you know, and he asked me, "Can you do pull ups?" I'd be like, "Yeah, I could do a couple." Hell like, yeah, yeah. I think I think he'd be he'd be a happy kid. Do you have a TikTok? No. I really think that you should consider only because I will say for like even my own recovery like some of these TikToks that I make like they are so healing so they have a lot of inner child reference ones so they'll do like the like the one where it's like the little they'll do the little version of themselves like eight year old me asking like did we wind up meeting love of our life and they're like hell no like but they have like all these funny ones and I crack up have you read Russell Brand's recovery his 12 step a little bit yeah i read it when i was in treatment okay and um yeah it was pretty cool so there's one part in it that he it's before he gets into all the you know the f this f that but he um it says that the addicts are actually the lucky ones because um what they did was like almost so this isn't quote unquote please uh but they basically said that it's so taboo when people overdrink and they do drugs. It's so taboo to be in that space that you're like forced to get the help you need. Where like there's so many people sick and suffering with like addictions that are not taboo, and they never get to ask these exponential questions really, like and connect with people on deeper levels and understand themselves like at their core, like. No one knows who they are. You know, no one knows. I still don't know. I think it's always evolving. I don't think it's a permanent sentence, personally. Um, Yeah. So, like, I wanted to share this. I was talking to my sponsor. Mm -hmm. And, like, my sponsor's cool, man. Like, he's like a father figure. Like, a father I wish I had. Mm -hmm. And, like, he don't tell me what to do. He's just, like, a grown man that, like, is just, like, a spiritual guide. And, um... I was telling him, like, you know, I was, I was telling him, you know, because I have, like, this weird thing where, like, I guess it's maybe ego, I don't know, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out, but, like, I feel like <clears throat> I do a lot of things to, like, make me feel better or make me feel, look cooler, you know what I mean? And I told him, like, I'm like, dude, is it because I'm attracted to, like, good-looking girls or, like, why do I feel like I need to have the hottest girl in the room, you know? And he's yeah. like, I don't know, I'm like, that's something you gotta figure out. But he was like, he said this, he said there's three versions of us and, like, you know, we believe in God or higher power and whatnot mm-hmm. and it's like, the one version is how everybody else views you and then there's a second version where it's like how you view yourself and the third version is how God views you. And, like, the whole journey is to get all those three to align. So I would say how God views me and how I view myself is the same. Like, I I feel a full confidence with the fact that when God watches, I'm proud. You know, like, I'm I'm doing good when no one's looking. But um, people's perception of me is usually very off. Um, And that's really their own trauma. Like, I, I notice that other people, like, their stuff bleeds out all the time. So, like... And I've never had so much patience for people since being in recovery, I will say. Like, I always am meeting people where they're at. And I didn't understand that phrase initially coming in. I was like a freaking, like a pin would drop. And I'm like, oh my God, like freaking out. But like, now I have like patience. Like, someone could be so disrespectful to me. And I'll just be like, 
that girl's got a lot of issues. Yeah, it's yeah, okay. Yeah. Pray for her. Yeah. Some are sicker than others. It's all right. You know, like, and I'm like, that's just me at where I'm at and her where she's at, yeah. you know, but. Yeah. I've had situations where people blow up on me and I just look at them and be like, hey man, like if you need to talk about anything, we could talk, you know, yeah. like I'm a, it's a safe place over here. Like today I'm able to take a step back and actually have empathy for these people, you know? And yeah. it's like what I stated before with the kid that, you know, went out to eat with, like mm-hmm. they don't have like you know what we have where it's like the only way we're gonna stop doing what we're doing by like doing these drugs and alcohol is by changing you know what i mean like that yeah. was the only way we were able to stop and, if, and like i'm always gonna be grateful for that mm-hmm. you know because like you know we've had the conversation where it's like people go people are gonna go on the rest of their lives and never changing mm-hmm. because they don't even think that there's nothing wrong with them because like they never got brought down to their knees and asked for help like hey man like well I that's the gift of desperation right yes yes the yeah. gift of desperation yeah sometimes no it's crazy like for me my my mom's gift of desperation or like even the founder of CFC like his mom her gift of desperation is the reason really why initially both of us got clean but then it was like I was desperate after I got brought to my knees on my own you know after that I needed to fall on my own for a little bit longer yeah but same. and then I wanted it. <laughs> Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's the same thing I, I, I could say about myself where it's like, you know, I came into the rooms and like I was um, I was separated from the drugs and alcohol and like I did a little bit of work on myself and like I started getting all these materialistic things and like I said before, like I'm self-centered and like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm an egotistical maniac with mm-hmm. inferiority complex and stuff like that and like I, it that runs out, you know? Yeah. That runs out, especially when you can't be alone with yourself. I okay so this is really funny I just hit my two year in March and leading up to that point I thought I was doing really good in my recovery like I went through a lot of stuff in my two years like a lot happened and I was good and then I got stale like honestly right when I was about to hit my two year mark I started getting like really stale I just like was like okay did I even scratch the surface with any of the trauma because like I guess I talked about it a bunch but I didn't feel it and I'm actually in a place where I'm in like some type of spiritual awakening right now where like I'm recognizing every feeling way different but I had to actually switch up my plan at my two-year mark because I was like so freaking stale like the meetings weren't doing it for me um so then I started doing like trauma art and then I'm like journaling and then I was doing shadow work and like all these things and then that started propelling me forward but I think in general recovery it's how bad you want something how much time you're gonna put in your day into it like like an energy you know at the end of the day it's work you gotta gotta put put work in yeah, and it's, you know? a, it's like I said before, it's... And it's, connection, and connection. It's a long marathon. This is a long, long journey, you know? And it's cool. Yeah. It's like an intimate journey. I know? will say, though, I'm the first one because I know, like, the you know, they say, uh, pick up the phone, yeah. you know, because I, I know all those phrases. So, like, um, I, the second I'm not doing good or something crazy is going on, even if I don't think I'm going to relapse, I know my relapse for the relapse, I never notice that I'm in it. For a little bit, like I'll just get super entitled and I don't know why yeah, I'm yeah, feeling yeah. that way. I just feel like underappreciated, undervalued, whatever. And then um, I went up relapsing. So like my new thing is the second something bad's happening, whatever it is, if it's major and like life changing or something that a normal person would need a therapist for at some point in their life, I show up to any meeting that exists that night oh, yeah. in any location. And, and I'll just share just to say, hi, I'm Kim. I'm new here. Like, yeah. or, you know, you know, um, 
I had this guy tell me once, he goes, Mike, even if you go, because I was like complaining about meetings and stuff, like all these meetings sucks or this and that. And he's like, Mike, even if you don't get anything from a meeting, you don't ever feel like when you go in there and you're sitting there for that one hour, like you feel safe. Like, you know, the alcoholic drinks alcohol because they were irritable, discontent and restless. And like, there's this analogy and like, I, I understand this analogy and like, basically like the analogy talks about how like you know if it's raining cats and dogs right mm -hmm. and like if you're ever driving on the highway and for like that split second when you're on the underpass it's like quick calm mm -hmm. and then it goes back to the rain yeah that's what like drugs and alcohol did for me you know what i mean yeah. where it's and next to where i grew up in newark there's like train tracks that's actually like a really cool parallel yeah and there's overpasses right and like i remember when we were kids and it would be raining and we were in the car instead of driving around and like doing drugs we would just go under that bridge and like even before you even you know we even consumed whatever we were going to consume like i already felt like at ease you know because like yeah the, i'd be in withdrawal and the second i grabbed the drugs i didn't even do them yet my stomach yes. would be like i'm okay yeah and it's like yeah. i feel like you know the only way we'll 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 stay okay is if we find that ease and comfort yeah that like the drugs did for us so if it's like i'm having a chaotic day like my bridge mm -hmm. is like going to a meeting or you know connecting with somebody or like doing something that i truly love to do so what about Positive manifest or not, uh, positive affirmations. You said you do those. No, I mean I don't really, I don't really sit here and do positive affirmations. Um, before I did the steps, though, I used to have like really negative affirmations. You know, like um, yeah, I would, I would have like this voice. Like in my the self talk head. was yes, like super negative. Yes, self talk yeah. was crazy. I used to tell myself, Mike, you're a piece of shit. Then it's like when I go to that meeting and I hear what I gotta hear, I'm like, you know what, well, Mike, like you're not that special. You're yeah. just another, like, person on the boat. So, <laughs> you know. That reminds me when I was I was with someone out to dinner, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. And this is, like, a while ago, but I'm thinking, oh, my God, what if someone orders drinks to my table? Because we were, like, sitting in a bar area, even though we were getting food. So I'm like, what if someone orders drinks to my table? Like, what do I say? Like, do I just say, like, oh, I'm with Jesus, so, like, I don't drink? Or, or do I say, why do I keep yelling into here? Or do I just say, like, oh, like, I'm in uh, – recovery and then i'm like wait kim who the hell is ordering it like why yeah. are you so special that this is never gonna happen anyways yeah. like you're not that special no one's buying your drinks you don't need to tell people you're with jesus or you're like in recovery or anything but it's like you know it's like these tools that they give us you know like one day at a time like stay in today you know and it's like even doing my own research on like spirituality like that's the one thing i try to do the most is like stay in the moment and like even when it's when I'm anxious or like depressed, it's because either I'm thinking about the past or thinking of the future, and um, you know I try my hardest to just stay present. Mm -hmm. And it's like with everything, you know, like like for example, like let's say something about my job, like let's say like I go to work one day, and they're like, oh, we're gonna lay the. There's a rumor going around that the company's laying off guys at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. And I remember like I would get all anxious about that and be like, oh man, they're gonna lay people off. And then, like, I would ask, I remember one day I went to go speak to this guy I work with, and he has about, like, 30-something years sober. And he goes, Mike, how will you deal with it when it comes? Yeah, for real. I know. You know? So simple. And then once he <laughs> said that to me, it's like yeah. a light switch hit. And, like, I just started using that for, like, a lot of the situations in my life. And, like, mm -hmm. I'll even tell, like, one of my normie friends that are, like, oh, my God, like, in two weeks, I hope this goes like this. I hope this goes. I'm like, dude, how will you deal with it when it happens? 
like deal with it like start mm-hmm. thinking about it an hour before like the situation you're going to walk into yeah um so i'm right now in the middle of doing this like uh it's like a self-help journal but it's for self-love and and they talk about that a lot they talk about um really just like kind of letting go of like expectations control all those things and what's funny to me is like when you talk to a normie and you're like they're like oh i never tried drugs i have like control issues like right like people are like oh i don't like to feel like out of control what's crazy is you ask any room uh who would consider themselves to have control issues like every person that is an addict was an addict like raises their hand like I think that that's part of it because we're trying to control our f- emotions yeah. with drugs. It's just it's control. It's just different control, like yeah. mind control, really. But I I like went on this crazy study like two months ago of like all the laws of the universe and like the law of attraction and the law of equivalent exchange and the law of um, abundance and like they talk a lot about um, like gratitude for instance like if you offer gratitude you're gonna always get that good like putting gratitude out there always continues to and then i remember i was at one of these we used to have a 12-step meeting here um and i think it was like na base but one of the guys had shared um that gratitude's an action word and ever since i heard that that made me rethink gratitude because like for instance like i could tell you thank you and then that's just a word it like it, it disappears but for instance like if i'm grateful for my car I'm going to make yes. sure my oil is changed. I'm going to make sure it's clean. I'm going to make sure I take care of it. I'm going to offer gratitude to my car. If I'm grateful for a human being, I'm going to treat them with kindness. I'm going to put them as a priority. I'm going to care about their emotions. Like, And then I was like, wow. So if I'm really grateful for anything, if I am not showing gratitude, I cannot be mad when it's gone. You know? Like the gratitude's important. I don't know. Gratitude's like a, a nice one to express because I feel like a lot of people don't get that like in recovery you get it but in the in life it's so rare that you get like these authentic like super genuine sweet emotions on like a daily simple interaction in recovery you get it but like you ever just drive down the street and you like just get like this thing of gratitude and like Mm -hmm. the song's playing and like the sun is Mm -hmm. shining and like the wind is perfect and yeah you know i never i never got that before coming into like the rooms and, and stuff I, like that. I don't know if you ever get it for like people that pass like you'll hear a song that reminds you of them and it's it's like a weird song that wouldn't be on the radio like you know and then all of a sudden you're in Wawa and you hear it and you're like you get that moment of like yeah. gratitude for like being able to feel their presence for a yeah, moment yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. that I always love that feeling too yeah. and it's and like I said like that's why I'm all about recovery and people do these nights like these amends and they're like oh my god like the I felt like the light hit me and this and that. And I'm like, well, where is this? Like, where is the light? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And then all of a sudden I get up and I go walk up to my mom and I give her a hug. And when I gave her a hug, I felt like the five-year-old kid. Yeah. You know, and it was just like, because I believe that we're like little kids in like adult bodies. We are. And like, we're just like trying to heal like those broken parts of us. Do you ever watch... Okay, because now that I'm in recovery, I'll watch even my parents' mental health a lot. So, like, I'll watch my mom, and then I notice that my mom has a major fear of rejection. Like, I would say, like, because I did the shadow work question. Here's an example of one, okay? You can answer it. Out of all the negative emotions, anger, sadness, jealousy, greed, um, 
you could think of really anything that would be considered a negative emotion, envy. Um, which one is the worst for you to deal with? You could only choose one. It has to be the hardest one for you to deal with. Rejection. Rejection. Yeah. Yeah. So my mom said the same when I asked her, why why would that be like try to like travel back in your brain and, and you're not going to be able to get the answer right now that's why it's shadow work it's going to take you like diving for weeks on this question like keep cycling on it but you have to find the root of the first time you ever fe- felt rejected and why that is the hardest emotion for you like why that Ooh. and that's what shadow work is so it's devastating you feel miserable some days walking around doing shadow work because you're yeah. like processing all the time like i'm kind of in that phase right now so like <clears throat> i went through like a rejection like in the past week and like at first it felt like shit mm-hmm. you know like i i was just like damn like am i not good enough or do i suck or what's wrong with me you know like all these like negative thoughts and then like it wasn't even that bad of a rejection and like the next day like i woke up and it's kind of like what you said before you know with the whole like you never yeah what was it that you said oh okay um that it's right like um the sun comes up the next day yeah like yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and like i woke up the next day and i was fine and stuff like that and i started to think about it and i'm like I really hated rejection, you know, but I feel like if I believe, if I have faith in God and I believe that everything like, and I keep always say that where it's say this, where it's like, I believe at the end, everything's going to be all right. And if it's yeah. not all right, then it's not the end. What if you could give advice to someone that's like just in their first year of recovery, what is the best thing that they could do for themselves on like a daily, weekly, monthly basis besides meetings, like on their own? that has helped you um uh, all right i got a good one like it doesn't really get talked about like that you know i I mean nobody ever told me to do it something i did on my own um if you go to meetings you know i'm gonna be 100 percent like listen go through the 12 steps you know like if you go if you're do a a n a c a it's like going to the gym and not dieting like you're not really yeah it's counterproductive so like if you're going to these meetings you know get yourself a sponsor and stuff like that but like even if you're ever like stuck in a situation where like you can't make a meeting you can't make a phone call or anything like that or like you're just busy you know what i mean like i would just put you know podcasts are cool you know go on youtube like listen to somebody else and stuff yeah. like that and just you know that's like advice that i would give somebody on a daily if you were to tell me like oh what do you do daily you know like, i always tell somebody do something for your recovery a day like if you you know like life shows up because that's a cool thing about like you know getting sober is like we get a life you know like if you have a job and then you have family this and that and like you don't have time to do certain things just you know take 30 minutes and do like something for your recovery if that's like either read a book you know go on youtube you know listen to some something make it to a meeting call somebody you know because it keeps it green yeah. you know what i mean and it's like it's something you could do every single day so you know just if you're new you know within the first couple months and like just hold on you know what i mean hold on do the steps you know make some changes and you know the marathon continues absolutely and i want to thank you so much for coming on today thank you mike um uh hopefully we'll have him back on to actually give us his whole rundown of his story we wanted to start light this time keep it easy keep it easy
Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. This episode was hosted by CFC Loud and Clear 501c3 Nonprofit Foundation. For more resources and information, visit our website at www.healingus.org. We have event calendars on upcoming fundraisers and events such as Rock the Farm Tribute Festival on September 23rd on Grant Avenue in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. CFC Loud and Clear is a relapse prevention community organization with roots in Monmouth and Ocean County, New Jersey. They offer sober socials, meetings, outreach opportunities, career resource, housing, education to our members and local community. We have been running since 2011 and have since served over 20,000 families in our communities. Our founder, Daniel Regan, has acquired 12 years of recovery in March this year. The foundation himself and his mother, Lynn Regan, created for his recovery has staggered itself in the success rate of 85%, helping members achieve and maintain long-term sobriety, 18 plus months. Since Lynn has retired and is starting projects of her own, Alyssa Regan has stepped into the executive director position and is leading our community in its continued efforts to rebuild lives and connection after addiction. Our 24-hour hotline is 1-833-HOPE-HOPE. That is 4673. So 1-833-4673. If you or a loved one is in need, please reach out. We have space and curiosity to hear from our listeners. We can also be found on Instagram, TikTok, podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple, Samsung, Amazon, and RSS feed, as well as our website. You can find the podcast and more information at www.antidrugsocialclub.com. We are also available on YouTube, Reddit, and have a Facebook group. Like, follow, share, give your input. Thank you so much for your continued support.